Welcome to the Business Finishing School Podcast. Stop the insanity. Eliminate the chaos. Bring simplicity, probability, and leverage as operating values into your business and personal life so you can do more, earn more, and improve your relationships. This is Business Growth Simplified. Here's your host, Business Finishing School founder, Rick Sapio. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Sapio with my partner, Teresa Kuhn, for another podcast. And this podcast is about creators versus consumers. It seems like when you look out into the world, you experience people kind of living in this daydream of consumption, not realizing that there's people that actually produce the things that we consume. And when you think about teenagers or late teens, their whole life is head down, screens right in front of their faces, just consuming, consuming, consuming. And I think it's creating a generation of people that don't understand that it takes brutally hard work to create things. So I believe that there's a great bifurcation happening in the world, not between rich and poor, but between those who produce and bust their butts to produce and those who consume, who basically much of their life is absorbed with consumption. And we're filming this and recording this on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So that makes it interesting. You know, Rick, it's pretty funny. Years ago, I don't know if you remember, maybe, let me see, my son is 24. So I'm talking about like 20 years ago, Black Friday was a big deal and people would wake up at four o'clock in the morning to go sit in line at some store to go buy a bunch of stuff. And they'd spend hours and hours and days just shopping for Christmas. And today, fast forward 20 plus years to today, it's a little bit different. I don't participate in Black Friday, but I think people may not be rushing to the stores as much. I really don't know. I bet they're online digital consumers trying to buy all sorts of stuff on Black Friday online. I feel so disconnected from all things Black Friday, all things shopping for Christmas like that. I don't know. It feels really crazy. I have no doubt you were never a part of the Black Friday consumerism. Do you have any friends that were at one point? I'm sure that I have a ton of friends that do it. I, I don't know, for whatever reason, it started as a young kid. I just don't like to go to stores. I've always been the type of person that stuff was delivered to my house, whether it's clothes or food, you know, I would just go out to eat all the time. Well, now that I'm married with children, it's a little bit different, but I still don't go to stores generally. And my wife won't ask me anymore because if she sends me to the supermarket, I call 20 times and go, what do you need? Where is it? What aisle? Because I think the whole notion of sheep, you know, going in to eat out of the trough you know, waiting in line and all that stuff. It just is bizarre to me. And a lot of people know this fact, but it's not something that we talk about. We build more space in the United States for public storage and storage in general than most countries build for human beings. And so our stuff, once a month, lockbox place, you pay once a month and you jam your stuff there that you don't need. That mentality is bizarre. If you kind of zoom out and look at the insanity of that from afar, because most of those public storage places, people die or they stop paying the rent after five years and they say, yeah, just get rid of all of it. They've got this, those BS shows I've heard about on TV, storage wars, where people find all this wealth you know, buried deep inside storage containers, which I'm told from somebody who was in one of those that it's all bullshit, that they actually plant the once a millennial object there. So 
pretty funny. But shouldn't society be concerned about the stupidity of consumption or are people just lost in it that they don't realize that there's probably a bigger purpose for their life other than consumption? I don't know. I think all of us have a purpose, but very few of us actually take the time to figure out that purpose. And so we've devolved into this society of consumerism. Well, I actually, you know me, I go back to the history and the behavior modification and the objective that I think some people had to remove us from our creativity, to separate us from our creativity, to just have a bunch of society, a cult Culture, culture, right? With the word C-U-L-T of zombies, you know, the transformation of the world. And let's just say the transformation of America. There's that word trans, T-R-A-N-C-E. And it seems like so many of us are in a trance. We're totally addicted to our screens and consuming information and consuming the garbage that they give us. I know you and I know when you get on a plane and you look around you, I mean, it happens to me and I see all these people playing these games and I don't know if there's any benefit from an intellectual brain stimulation thing, but I'm like, I've never played one of those games. I've never downloaded one of those games. I love to read. I love to stimulate my brain. And I don't know, maybe I'm completely missing out on something, Rick, but I'd much rather, as far as like, if I had children and I've got my son who's an adult now, I'd rather give him a program where he can create a game, use his brain actively instead of being a passive consumer or a passive participant. There's something that it's doing to our brains and it's generational where it seems like each generation is getting dumber and dumber and more passive. Am I wrong? Am I missing something? No, I mean, it's obvious. I read an article which was very well written about a guy writing from the perspective of an alien. And he said, I'm an alien and I happen to land in mid-America and I traveled around as an alien observing American culture. And it was so funny how an alien would describe American culture. It's like, it's really weird. They live in these boxes and then the box has these little four-wheeled creatures and these four-wheeled creatures come out of the box and they go to these bigger boxes. And I don't know if it's for refueling. And then the tiny four-wheeled humanoid goes to this building and they go in there for eight hours a day and then they come out. And the guy, the alien was describing American culture as the automobile, thinking the automobile was the human and the humans were fuel for the automobile, because whenever the human got into the automobile, our current humans, but from the alien's point of view, the fuel, the fuel gets into the car. And from the alien's perspective, it looks like the automobile is the human because they see these automobiles going from place to place to place and having fuel go in and out. Pretty interesting perspective because it really is a rat race. It really is stupidity. I had a interesting conversation this morning. Again, it's Black Friday. It's the day after Thanksgiving. And I just feel at my creative best right now. I'm writing articles. I'm writing books. I'm doing business. I'm trying to make things happen. And I really love passionately coming to work. And my children understand that. And my wife understands that. And this friend of mine called me this morning and says, I can't believe you're such a workaholic. It's the day after Thanksgiving. And I said, I don't know if I'm a workaholic. I think a workaholic is someone who doesn't really like their job, but they do it because they really don't have anything else to do in their life. And I said, well, great. I'm a workaholic. What are you doing today? What do you mean? I'm shopping. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm the workaholic, but you're the 
consumer who is completely being programmed by this societal cultural thing that the alien would describe as her fueling her four-wheeled humanoid vehicle. So it really is absurd when you zoom out and look at the stupidity of consumption. And it's not just things. It's Netflix. It's dumb TV shows that provide nothing. It's screens of all kinds. It's absurd, dumb, silly, trifling conversations. One of the things on our family placemat is the 13 virtues of Benjamin Franklin. And Benjamin Franklin talks about one of his virtues. I forget the virtue's name, but it talks about wasted time. And it said, I will waste no time in trifling conversation. And I think the vast majority of us have trifling conversation both with other people, with ourselves, and with technology, meaning his whole point in that virtue was to not get caught up in nonsense. And that's why when you look at creators versus consumers, I feel like we've devolved into a tiny percentage of people are creating, creating life, creating purpose, creating meaning. And the vast majority of us are just kind of there waiting for our turn at the trough. And interesting to watch. I'm really not even that negative on everything. And a lot of people are negative these days. I just think that's always been the way it is, but it's so much more apparent now. Well, and I think the purpose of today's podcast is more just to bring it up from a level of awareness, because probably most people understand this, but here we are talking about it, putting a spotlight on it. And if you, the listening audience, recognize, shoot, you know what? I probably don't need any more crap. I don't need to be spending my Fridays shopping, my Black Friday shopping. You know what? My kids should be actively engaging their brain instead of consuming whatever games and whatever comes up on their screens. Having that awareness, I always think is just so, so important because it's the first step in change. And maybe you have the awareness and you say, you know what? I'm okay with that. That's okay for me. No problem. I'm okay that that's my life. Great. No problem. If you want something more though, and Rick, that's something we both have in common. It's Black Friday and we're both working and I'm enjoying it. I'm getting stuff done, having conversations that I needed to have and creating. And we're both in our mid fifties and not planning on stopping. We're planning on continuing to create, bringing value to the marketplace, sharing what I think is wisdom and experiences. I've been packing up boxes. I have a ton of books and I've got two boxes full of books that I'm going to use to share great information. Some of my favorite books. I'm like, you know what? It's time to bring it to the world. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, you know what? There are worst ways to spend my time. Why don't we take some of the best books and turn them into podcasts? So why don't you go through that That's list? That's exactly what I was planning on doing. Oh, I love it. Great idea. So I never thought I'd get to this point in my life, but my wife and I don't always agree on the way I view the world. They think that it's okay for our kids, for example, to do more mainstream things. And I am vehemently opposed to a lot of things that train our kids to be lab rats and addicted to technology and whatnot. But it's funny now that my oldest just turned 13 a week ago, my 13-year-old and my 10-year-old, they're pushing the values onto the family. And it happened yesterday when my 13-year-old said, you know, I've got this friend and he's addicted to music. He's always listening to music. He's got earphones in and he doesn't have any friends. And he's like, I just think that's a bizarre form of consumption. That's what my 13-year-old said. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. That is awesome. 
he said, I'd rather write my own music and create it on the piano. He's really good on the piano. But I said, that's why we did that for you. That's why we, I would say, forced it upon him. He didn't want to play the piano when he was six. And now as a 13-year-old, he could play Beethoven and all that stuff with his eyes closed. He's not thankful yet. He thinks that he did it on his own. But I said, well, look at your three siblings. They're doing it too. But the point of that is that they're getting the distinction creator versus consumer, but it took a long time. And I was very proud of them to get into conversation, 10-year-old and 13-year-old, about the stupidity of consumption and consuming other people's work as the purpose of your life. That is so big, Rick. Congratulations to you and your wife. That is tremendous. And the fact that he's got that awareness and he sees the stupidity of someone being plugged into music and consuming the music all day long. And how cool that your son recognizes, you know what, in the realm of music, in the world of music, I can produce. I don't have to be a consumer. Wow. Kudos. Fabulous. Fantastic. And you know what, Rick? Here's the deal. Bottom line, and I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people with what I'm about to say, parenting your way, the way you've done it, is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It is active parenting. You can be a passive parent and allow your kids to be passive consumers of all the garbage that's out there, or you could be an active parent, and it takes a heck of a lot more work to be that active parent. And that's who you and your wife have been, active parents. You too, but why would you think that would piss people off? What you said is very factual. Being a parent and raising independent-minded children is really hard work. When the culture is laughing at you, human beings don't learn. People don't make the same mistake twice. They normally make it 20 or 30 times, and that's the human condition. It's what we are. I think whenever we try to fight humanity, it's a loser's game. All you and I are trying to do is point it out. So maybe, just maybe, a handful of a percentage of you will go, wait a minute. I just got a good idea out of this. I'm going to start doing it this way. But for the most of you, you're going to listen to this passively, find it interesting, and move on to the next podcast. The reason why I think this will piss people off is because it's an awareness of if you're parenting the lazy way, or if you parented a lazier way, and lazy has a negative connotation to it. So, you know, forgive me, I'm at a limit. I'm not thinking a better word, but I'll give you an example. We spent Thanksgiving with my nephew and his wife that have a five-week-old little tiny baby. And until you carry a, a newborn, you really forget how little and fragile they are. And we talked about the family placemat. We didn't do the family placement with my son. My son's 24. And I had a ping of regret, like, oh, I wish I had done the family placement. And then I thought, you know what? We did so many things great. And what a gift that my nephew and his wife and their little baby can have that ritual of the family placement and that we were able to expose them to having that asset, that tool to raise their child. And so you came up last night. That's the ultimate form of creativity. You're creating a legacy for your family as opposed to just being passive. Here's an interesting story about creator versus consumer. And I like to write notes before the podcast to give me some ideas of what I want to say about it. But oh, about 15 years ago, I started a business with a doctor, an obesity doctor of all things. And we saw this massive market because 30% of children are fat. And at the time, 20% were obese. And so I felt like this is a great combination of doing something great for society and families while also creating some income and creating a nice little business. And it was fascinating. We started the business, we marketed it online. And when we 
got patients to the place, you'd see a six-year-old who weighed 130 pounds and the parents would say, no, he's just a little bit overweight. No, no, the kid could die. He's got type 2 diabetes. And the point is, you're right. I didn't think about it till now about we would piss people off just saying that a clearly massively obese child is obese. And so needless to say, the business never got off the ground because when you tell a parent that their child was obese, instead of the story they've been telling themselves, which is, no, 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 he's got big bones or she's got big bones, it actually is an assault their parenthood. But it didn't occur to me until you brought it up that it pissed them off. I just thought that they were unwilling to admit reality. But now I'm seeing it from a different perspective live on camera that they actually took it personally and they got defensive and they were pissed off. So rather than saving their child's life, it was better to just remove us from the conversation. You know, parenting is a very, very sensitive topic, right? It's an extremely sensitive topic to people and being told that their children carry so much of their own projection of their own emotional architecture. And some people just aren't ready to see that. And the unfortunate thing is that the children do suffer from the parents' lack of introspection and taking responsibility for their lack of awareness around their parenting. And one other thing I'll mention regarding this whole consumer versus producer, I believe, Rick, at a deeper level, it comes to a lack of spiritual connection as to why we are here. What's our purpose? What gifts did the creator give us? And are those gifts meant for us personally, selfishly, or were those gifts given so that we can impact and benefit the world. And so I think it goes back to that deep conversation. Why am I here? Why did my creator make me the way he made me, wired me the way he wired me, give me the gifts that he gave me? And are those gifts for me to just keep to myself and be selfish? And, or is it really to impact and do something with those gifts in the really short time that we have here? Again, you and I are the same age. We're in our 50s. And it's fascinating. You know, we could live to be 150. Who knows? I don't know. In my mind, I've got 120 because of one of my coaches, but let's say 100. I've got less time on this earth than I've been living on this earth. God only knows how long I'm going to be here. But in that time, is it for me just to enjoy life and consume and just be, you know, or is it to really make an impact on the world. One of my closest mentors, dear Nelson Nash, beautiful man. He had a major heart attack when he was in his 50s, open heart surgery. He woke up from it and he said, God, I got your message. And he spent the next 40 years of his life beating the drum, beating the drum, beating the drum, telling the world the message that he had to bring. You're bringing up a massive topic. Thank you for taking it in this direction. But the ultimate form of creator is the person who takes the time to figure out why they're here. And that's why they say enlightenment is a long journey. Enlightenment is very rarely an aha moment or a lightning strike. It is day in and day out grueling work, whether it's prayer or meditation or purpose work. And it could take decades. And I just think you hinted at it, but people are unwilling to go there. 
because unfortunately the powers that be have made life so comfortable for us. I mean, you could sit on your butt with a screen in your hand, order food, order entertainment, order whatever you want, things to divert. You know, people sit around watching pornography for three or four hours a day. Just think about the insanity of that. And if you were an alien watching this behavior, you'd think to yourself, wow, what a waste of this gift of life. And so there, Socrates talked about this and wrote about this years ago, that the vast majority of us want to just exist. So this podcast is for those that don't just want to exist. It's to wake you up. So if you like what you're hearing, refer people to it. Teresa and I have been talking about things like this for a long, long time. We've been on this journey together for a long time and separately for a long time. While you were talking, it reminded me of just the insanity of humans in general. I watched a documentary that somebody sent me and I found it fascinating. It was about the fattest man in the world. And the title of the documentary was The Fattest Man in the World. And it was probably 12 years ago. I can't remember. And this guy had not been out of a bed. He was in his bed in his home since he was like 18. And at the time when the thing was filmed, he weighed 1,300 pounds. You saw his head and his head seemed like it was in this, this wallowing of skin everywhere. So it's just him and he lives with his mom. And it was somewhere in Mexico. I can't remember. I think it was Mexico City. I could be wrong. But what I found most fascinating is the whole show was focused on this guy. It was about an hour long. And then they go in the kitchen and there's his mom cooking. And the guy interviewing the mom is like, what are you doing? Because she showed the audience what she cooks for him every day. And she was about a hundred pounds, Hispanic woman, probably five feet tall. And she's like, no, I just always make what my son likes me to make for him. And it's like unbelievably bizarre. This whole creator versus consumer is all wrapped up in that story right there. That Here's these two souls that were put on this earth to live a purpose. But what they found is they could actually coexist and co-destroy their lives together. And it was bizarre. Yep, she cooks for me and I eat it. And I love her cooking. And I cook for him and he loves it and it brings me joy. And talk about creator versus consumer. I mean, I don't know if I'm explaining it enough, but the audience should be able to get to the punchline here of just there's an opportunity that we have one time to your point, Teresa, which I think is a great one. Why not make the most of it? Why not seek out why you're here? Why not seek out to be the greatest creator the world has ever seen along the lines of Michelangelo? It's clear to him why he was here. But you have a choice. It's that road or the consumer road. And that's the purpose of this podcast. Well, the only comment I've got there, it's probably going to piss, if we haven't pissed everybody off, this will really piss off the last remaining. But you were talking about that program and it reminded me, you know, we're also the last, I don't know, three, four generations, we've become voyeurs, the people that consume those kind of shows. Every bizarre, weird, sick person, and I say that with love and sensitivity to their situations, but look at the quality of programming on television that brings, I mean, that to me is that documentary, it's instructive on so many levels, the, the bizarreness and illness that people have, emotional illness, but so many people love to spend their time watching as a voyeur, those kind of shows. I know somebody who loves the shows where people get married who've never met overseas, like international brides and stuff. Like, And she's a really super bright girl. And that's just something that she likes to watch. And she's watched like all those shows. And I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. 
tea isn't it designed to be addictive isn't that the of whole course. point so if we know in advance that it's designed to be addictive why interact with it well and it goes back to a hundred years ago literally a hundred years ago the funding of the universities and those research divisions to figure out how we're wired so that they can use it against us to control us and to keep us zombies and so it's all by design you have to have the awareness and you have to be proactive to rise above all of it to rise above the voyeurism the consumerism the passiveness you have to work really 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 hard at it but you need to want more for your life and more for your family and more for your legacy if you don't have that want then go check out and you know what your life is going to be you might as well just be a zombie because you are living in a trance where somebody else is pushing your buttons. Rick, I want something more for my life. I want something more for my family. I want something more for my employees and my advisors and our clients and the people that are in our life. I want more. So with all that being said, if you're still listening, if we still have you with us, we're coming from a heartfelt place and we hope that if nothing else, it brings awareness to your life. We are signing off. Welcome to the Business Finishing School Podcast. Stop the insanity. Eliminate the chaos. Bring simplicity, probability, and leverage as operating values into your business and personal life so you can do more earn more, and improve your relationships. This is Business Growth Simplified. Here's your host, Business Finishing School founder, Rick Sapio. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Finishing School podcast, where we teach you business growth simplified. For more information on Business Finishing School or their Business Growth Summit event, visit businessfinishingschool.com.